and welcome to the latest podcast in our series on the EU Green Bond Regulation. I'm Alex Shopov. Uh, I lead our ESG Securitization and Structured Finance team in London. And I'm joined today by George Goodham, counsel in our team, and by our colleague Barbara Lauer, partner in our capital markets and structured finance practice in Frankfurt. Together, we'll be discussing the EU Green Bond Regulation and its impact on securitization. Barbara, in our previous episodes, we gave our listeners an overview of the EU Green Bond Regulation, including the core features and the disclosure obligations. How is it all going to work in the context of securitization? Well, Alex, the short answer is that the regime will work in the same way, basically, as for conventional bonds, but with a few tweaks. For example, references in the EU Great Bond Regulation to the use of issue proceeds are, in the context of a securitization, to be read as references to the use by the originator of the proceeds of the sale of the securitized receivables to the issuer. This has, of course, the effect that a securitization backed by brown receivables could still be eligible as an EU grain bond, provided that the originator used the securitization proceed in a compliant manner, for example, to originate new grain receivables. Why do you think the EU has taken this approach? Well, this is because, from my perspective, the EU economy has not yet generated a sufficient volume of taxonomy-aligned assets. So this was the most pragmatic way to kickstart the grain securitization market. It is worth noting that the regulation does envisage the Joint Securitization Committee of the European Supervisory Authorities preparing a report at some point in the future to assess whether we have reached the point in time where the volume of taxonomy-aligned assets eligible to be securitized has increased sufficiently to permit a change in these rules so that a securitization can only qualify as an EU grain bond if also the underlying receivables are grain. But that's for another day at some point in the future, I'm afraid. <laughs> Thank you, Barbara. Uh, George, perhaps I could turn to you next. Um, are there any other features of the EU green bond regulation uh, that would apply specifically to securitizations? Uh, yes, there are. Uh, firstly, although the issuer will remain responsible for producing the prospectus, the originator will need to take responsibility for fulfilling the commitments undertaken in the prospectus regarding the use of proceeds that Barbara referred to earlier. Uh, also, the prospectus itself will need to include additional disclosures relating to the greenness of the securitized receivables. Um, for example, what proportion of the securitized exposures have actually financed taxonomy aligned activities, even though in practice, as Barbara mentioned, this number uh, may be quite low. In addition, responsibility for producing the uh, various reports envisaged by the EU green bond regulations. So I'm thinking green bond fact sheet, green bond allocation report, and the Green Bond Impact Report, responsibility for producing those uh, will fall on the originator rather than the issuer, since the issuer is almost certainly going to just be an SPV. 
And then finally, certain securitized exposures are actually excluded under the EU green bond regulation from uh, green securitization, uh, in particular exposures that finance the exploration, mining, extraction and trade in fossil fuels. That sounds very clear, George. So Barbara, how is it all going to be enforced? Well, the EU grain bond regulation will be enforced locally by the resident competent authority. So that means in case of securitization issues, uh, that's going to be the competent authority responsible for approving the prospectus. Whereas in case of the originators, this will be the competent authority under the EU securitization regulation. So in the end, EU member states will need to ensure that their competent authorities have the power to impose administrative sanctions, which are effective, proportionate and dissuasive. So in the end, we expect the usual sanctions of public censure, fines, suspension of authorization and so on. Thanks, Barbara. Now that we've talked about traditional securitization, Barbara, what about synthetic securitization and the EU Green Bond Regulation? That's a bit of a sweet spot of mine. So synthetic securitizations are currently excluded from the European Green Bond label. That means that bonds that are issued for the purposes of a synthetic securitization will not be eligible to use the designation as EU Green Bond or EU GB. However, there is a bit of light at the horizon. The European Banking Authority has been tasked with assessing the feasibility of extending the regime to synthetic securitizations within the next five years. So watch this space. Before we sign off, uh, it would be great uh, if, George, you could summarise the key takeaways for our listeners, please. So I think there are probably four key takeaways, uh, and they are that the originator's use of the securitization proceeds will be the primary determinant of whether or not securitization can be uh, an EU green bond rather than the greenness of the securitized assets, at least for now. Uh, an EU prospectus will need to be approved and, and published in order for a securitization to be able to use the EU green bond label. And the originator will need to take responsibility for fulfilling the commitments in the prospectus regarding uh, the use of proceeds I've just referred to. The originator will also be the one uh, responsible for producing the reports that are required under the EU Green Bond Regulation rather than the issuer. And uh, synthetic securitizations are excluded from the EU Green Bond label, at least for now. Big thanks to Barbara and George. So that's all from us today. Thank you also to our listeners for tuning in. Until next time, it's goodbye from us.